Ephesians chapter 6. Let me read and then I'll pray for us before we begin looking into God's word. Um, it reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Let's pray together as we look into God's word. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to truly understand your word this morning. I pray that you would speak to us. Some of us who may be older, who have our own children, some who, are not, who do not have kids, and some who are younger and need to heed your word. Speak to us in our situations, Lord. Help us to grasp the depth and the width of your word. Pray that, Lord, that you would help me as I speak, that I would speak with the empowering of your spirit. And the words that come from my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. I pray and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the negative byproducts of living in the cities or uh, living in sort of our, in our types of communities where we have your own house, a gate, or you live in a complex, you have your own room that's often with the main door often locked, or you live in a gated community. That even though you are there together for protection, um, you ourselves don't relate to one another. At times we even live our Christian lives in this way. You come to church and you talk to people who are at church, but they are not involved in your life in any significant way. We have an understanding of a relationship with God that has to do with me and my salvation, my holiness, my Bible. We are disconnected from one another's lives. And at times this causes us to even read the Bible in this way. To read the Bible as saying that what can I, what can I do? What does the Bible say to me as an individual? Perhaps as you read it, by habit in the morning or in the evenings, you are looking at what is, the te- what is it teaching me? The danger of this is that it can give the impression that the Bible or the Word of God is mainly concerned with our personal relationship with God. It is not co- concerned with how we relate to one another can give the impression that the book of Ephesians was written to a specific individual, telling them this is how they should, uh, they should live their life. But what you learn from church history is that these books were written to churches and were read up front to the whole church, were copied and sent to other uh, churches which were at homes at that time. 
And there you would have your grandmother, your, um, your child, you have employers and employees, you would have slaves and masters, there you would have foreigners and nationals. There you would have uh, the ruling elite listening together and hearing the word of God. What I want us to see this morning is that the word of God is, is not mainly given to us as individuals, but it's given to us as a church, as a family. And it has a lot to say about how we relate to one another. The expectations of the Bible is that we will be rubbing shoulders with one another. And therefore, there's bound to be friction. So Paul, or God speaking through Paul, seeks to help us on how to relate on how, how, how these relationships that, that already exist can be used to help us grow in the Lord. The group-specific instructions are there for all of us to hear. Some of us may be uh, wives and others may not be. But as we saw last week, that what we have to learn about submission applies to all of us. All of us have to submit at some point. All of us are called to love sacrificially. What we're seeing this week is a second installment of what it looks like, as we saw last week, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are seeing... Uh, this is another way. First, the first part was, this is what submission in reverence for Christ looks like for those who are married. And now we are seeing what it looks like for those who are in a parent-child relationship. But what we'll see as we go on is that the principles of this apply to all of us, whether we are children or, or not, whether we are parents or not. And that's what, what Paul is saying in this section to children is what he has been saying throughout the book of Ephesians. How he calls them to live and to respond to one another is what he has been saying to all of us. Then let's move on to the <coughs> excuse me, the second installment. The the <coughs> The first thing that you learn from there in Ephesians chapter 6 is that children are called to obey their parents. They are called to obey their parents. This is 1 to 3. It's obvious, it's clear. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment to the promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. We see the address there, first of all, to children. And they're called to obey their parents. And we are reminded that the, 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 the reason for this is God. You are obeying your, your parents in the Lord. Just as we saw in 5 verse 21, 
submit to one another out of reverence for God. So you are doing this because you fear God. You are doing this because God calls you to. This is to say that our, the, our relationships ought to be guarded and guided by our ultimate relationship. That is our relationship to God. Even as you get to some of the difficult relationships, as we will see next week between a slave and a master, you will see that even that relationship is meant to be guided and guarded by God. That the child who is uh, who, who relates to parents, they are called to obey because God calls them to obey. That obedience is a way of honoring God. We'll see more explicitly as we read on in the passage this morning. The reference to children in this context is those who are growing up under a household. It's not... uh, all people who are young, but all people who are young who are still under an instruction and training of their parents. This is a phase in life. You're all children at some point, and at some point you stop becoming children. While you are a child, while you are still a child, you're called to obey your parent. Called to obey your parent. The, 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 the third motivation, if the first motivation is you are called to do this in the Lord, the, the second motivation is that you are called to do this because it is the right thing to do. Continuing in the verse, children obey your parents in the Lord. For, because, this is right. You are called, first of all, second of all, to do this because this is right. This is an indication that this instruction is universally beneficial, regardless of whether it comes from God or not. It is part of God's grace that all people are given uh, within us means to properly order society. And those means, regardless of caste, regardless of religious education, is that parents exercise authority over their children that they raise them up in, and, and prepare them for the world. We see that this is right. What this poem means that this is the right thing to do. It is universally accepted that in an ideal world that the ch- parents 
issue instructions and kids obey them. It is a recognition of the role that God gives to parents universally, regardless of, of religious affiliation. It is the law that God has put in the hearts of men that intrinsically this is known to be the right thing to do. But he goes further than that. He goes further by saying that you are called to do this, not because it's the right thing to do, but because it is part of Christian discipleship. It is part of being a believer. Continuing in the verse. Verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment to the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life in the land, on earth. The New Testament Christians, or the Christians at this time, had the Old Testament as their Bible. And that was used to instruct them about how to live. So it's not odd, therefore, that Paul would quote from uh, Deuteronomy 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, in the, uh, what you know is the Ten Commandments. Paul, here, notes that obedience is an extension of Christian discipleship. It is part of who we are as believers. It is what God has called Christians to be. The commandment thing that is quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 5 says, you are called to obey your parents. First of all, because there is this word that says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That commandment given by God to, is, to, to Israelites, the whole of the, of the Old Testament, by the way, was given by God to them in order to make them distinct from the nations around them. That of all the people on the earth, they are to show the character of God by living in this way. One of those ways was they are to honor their fathers and mothers. They are to obey, to, uh, to listen to them, to do what is being said to them. The first part of that verse in chapter 6 begins with obey. And then the quotation itself says, honor your father and mother. It shows a progression in our relationships. Uh, first of all, that you, you, as a child, you begin by first obeying, listening and doing but you also move to a place of honor. Honor that is seeking to do things that uh, do not 
impugn the reputation, that should not uh, uh, cause people to wonder, whose child is that? Just as the Israelites to obey God and to honor him, and not to live lives that the nations around them would begin to wonder, these people who call themselves for the name of God live like this, Children were called to obey and to honor because that was part of being a believer. That was part of being part of God's family. Just as an Israelite was called to obey and honor and to keep the word of God as part of being a member of God's family. What we see in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy is that there, was this, uh, there were these instructions that were given to Israelites about not having other gods, about obeying, about not killing. But with that, in chapter 6 specifically, was that if they did not keep those commandments, God would remove them out of the land of Israel. So if they lived a disobedient life, God would show his displeasure by kicking them out of the place in which they they were located. That happened with Israel through exile, where other nations would come as God's punishment, whether whether it's the Assyrians or the Babylonians, would come and would be used by God as a, as a hand of God to show God's displeasure. Those who obeyed, those who, those who listened to God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God said, God, I will bless them. But if you turn away from my laws, if you turn away from the way that I called you to live, you will be kicked out of the land. You will be removed from the blessed place in which God has put you. And a parallel thing is said here about obedience to parents and obedience to, uh, to those who are raising you. What you will see, uh, especially as you get to the next, the next section in chapter in, in, in verses 4, is that the parent is called to, um, to instruct, to train in the Lord. He's called to, uh, to, to teach or to enforce the word of God in the family. And the one who turns away from the word of God, turns away from the promises of God. The one who clings to the, to the word of God, who, who clings to the message of the gospel, which is being instructed by the parents, receives life and life eternal. So I don't want you then to think of the, uh, of the earth in chapter 3, which is literally living long in, in the land, in the original what do we think of it as merely living in this life? But I want you to think of it as living a long 
life eternally. This is not to say that if you obey your parents, for example, things will go well for you here in this life. And that you have a long life now. Because it doesn't always work out that way. But the one who listens to their parents, especially as they train and encourage, especially as they uh, call you to, uh, to a life of faith in Jesus, especially as they point to Christ, saying that is where life is, that is where uh, eternal life is. Things will go well with you in the land and you will enjoy long life. So therefore you are called as a child belonging to a family to listen, to obey, to honor. Then the Instruction, therefore, turns from the child to the parent. In just one verse, Paul uh, emphasizes to the parents that, yes, you have this privilege as a parent of instructing, of educating, of training in the Lord. But as you do this, parent, you are called to create a good environment for growth in the Lord. Verse 4 says, Fathers, that fathers there could also be a, uh, it's a, it's a reference to both fathers and mothers, especially because of what you've seen in the previous verse. Fathers or parents, verse 4, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. The call is now to the parents not to exasperate their children. The word exasperate means to, uh, to inflame, to, to, to provoke, to irritate a person, to cause them to anger. The encouragement to the parents is not to encourage children to anger. And it looks back to chapter 4, verses 25 to 26, by the way, if you can turn there with me. Is that the, there's something that anger does in our relationships with one another that is unhelpful if you are going to help others to grow in the Lord. Verses 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. What will happen if you are, if you are sinning? Verse 26 again. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. In verses 425 and 26, we are reminded to put off sin and to put on uh, righteousness. That is, speaking truth to your neighbor. Because we are one as believers. What anger does is that it tears the body into two. 
It causes the other person to retreat to the other corner and on one person to pridefully not want reconciliation. So therefore, when chapter 6 says, do not exacerbate your children, do not encourage children to this emotion, it's basically saying, live in unity with your child. Do not seek to provoke this and give the evil an opportunity to, to divide the body of Christ. You are called to see the child in your family as a member of the body of Christ. And your responsibility is to speak the truth in love to them. You are to treasure this relationship and not risk it by encouraging anger in the family. If you take seriously the call to put off sin and to put on speaking truth to one another, then you will do your best not to bring anger into the situation, not to encourage it. The positive call here is to raise the children up in the Lord is to, is, to, is to raise them up by putting off sin and putting on righteousness, by putting off anger and putting on unity in the body of Christ. That in your relationships with your children, in, in the uh, application of this training and encouragement, that you do not give the evil one an opportunity to divide. As we'll see that this is something that God has called us to. Even if we're not children, even if we're not parents, he has called us to not let anger divide the community of God. He has called us, you and I, to take seriously the instruction to encourage one another, to speak the truth of the gospel to one another. He has called you and I to submit out of reverence for Christ. To children, this looks like obedience. But to all of us, a call to a life of submission, a call to, a call to do things because God calls us to. All of us are called to be light in the world by showing others what it means to live as those who are empowered by the Spirit of God. All of us are called to value love in relationships and to abhor disunity, to hate it, and not to give the evil an opportunity to divide us as believers. To parents, this looks like not encouraging children to anger. But to all of us, means that if there is anger in your heart, you don't go to sleep. 
that it becomes a matter of urgency to resolve it with that, bro- with that brother or sister and not letting it simmer and widen the gap between the two of you. All of us are called to uh, encourage one another by the word. All of us are called to, uh, to speak the truth in love. As iron sharpens iron, all of us are called to push one another towards Christ. Just as parents are called to bring and train up their children in the Lord. All of us have these burdens. All of us. Not just the parents and the children. So the encouragement to you, therefore, this morning, if you are a child, you are called to, uh, to respond to godly teaching and training with listening, with humble obedience. If you are a parent, you are called to instruct, to train, and not to give the evil an opportunity to divide you and your child. You're called not to abuse the position that you have, but instead in love to speak the truth of the gospel. That is what it looks like to live, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let us pray together and ask God to, um, to help us with that. Heavenly Father, we have been challenged yet again as children, some of us in this room, to obey our parents in the Lord, for this is right, to honor our fathers and mothers so that we may enjoy long and eternal life. Lord, you have challenged us through your word as parents not to exasperate our children, but instead to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You have encouraged us as believers to not let anger divide and give the devil a foothold in our relationships. But instead, you have called us to live in unity as your body. I pray that you would help us, Lord, in this. That you would empower us with your spirit, that you may do these things that are difficult to do without your help. In fact, impossible, not just difficult. Help us, O Lord. We need you. We pray and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.